I, I hope you are getting um, mentally prepared to prepare your favorite comfort food after this message tonight. But if we haven't met before, my name is Sarah. I get to be one of the pastors here at Calvary Young Adults. And I'm actually really excited to be here tonight talking about relationships in the kingdom of God. That's a series we've been in for pretty much the entire summer. And tonight is the last sermon installation. We'll have one more week where we do kind of like a Q&R to answer all the questions you guys have been submitting throughout this series. Um, but yeah, I have the privilege of talking about grief and failed relational expectations. Um, so buckle up. But as I was thinking about tonight, and maybe you're like, I am not in a season of grief. Hopefully this will help someone that you love. But I was thinking about like circumstances that I've, I've been through in my life where I'm like, man, that was just like a bummer. Maybe that wasn't like a failed relationship, but just like, wait, like what are some just like annoying things that can happen? And I, I was looking up examples of, you know, the idea of like you order something online and then like you get something in person and you're like, what on earth? Um, Picture this, I'm just gonna walk because I found some gems on the internet. Um, picture this, so it is your, congratulations, you are now um, an aunt or uncle and you have a cute little niece and it's her birthday. And her parents come to you, your brother and sister, and they're like, listen, um, I know you're trying to gun for being like best aunt or uncle ever, so you're in charge of the birthday cake this year. And you're like, awesome, that's easy. Like, I don't even have to make the birthday cake. And you know that your little niece is super into My Little Pony, so you're like, great. I'm going to scour the internet, and I'm going to find the best little My Little Pony birthday cake ever, right? It's super adorable. I'm like, wow, is there even cake underneath that fondant? But you take this picture, and you go to the baker, and you're like, okay, you, can you do this? You have one job. Like, I need to come through for my niece's birthday. And they look at you, and they're like, yeah, pay us all the money. We'll do it. So you pay them all the money, and you're going to pick the cake up. And upon your arrival, they're like, perfect, we completed it, it's everything you ever wanted. And then this is why I can't deliver. <laughs> Guys, this is real. Like, this is a real story of someone online. <laughs> Can you imagine? Okay, so <laughs> this happens, and you deliver the birthday cake, and I'm sure, like, your niece is like, it's pony, it tastes delicious. But year two rolls around, and you're like, I'm, I'm going to redeem myself. Like last year did not go so well. And this time you were probably a little more guarded in your expectations, but you're like, I'm gonna give this baker one more shot. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna give them something. I'm gonna lower the bar. And this year she's really into Tinkerbell. So you're like, okay, this is the, and you're literally like, this is my expectation, right? This is my expectation. And you bring it to them and you pay them all the money and they're like, don't worry, we got this this time. And then next, it's one week later, it's, it's her birthday. And you go, and you come, and this is, this is the reality of what you get. <laughs> Again, this is a real-life thing that happened to someone out in the world. I'm giving you this scenario. <sighs> because it's, right? <laughs> and this is easy to laugh at, and we're like, man, like, that would suck, but you'd probably get over it. But when, we, when we're talking about, like, Real, like our expectations versus reality, like this can be cute and fun until like in our lives, these requests are actually not going to a baker, they're going to God. And there's things in our lives where we're like, okay, God, like here, this is exactly what I want. Like this is the thing and it's even in your word and I think I'm praying the right things and I'm bringing it before you, but I feel like I keep getting this Tinkerbell cake <laughs> instead of my request. 
And what can happen when we're in that place, right? Like where our expectations just keep getting like demolished over and over and over again. Whether it's a relationship that you've been in and you just feel like it fell to pieces, or maybe it's the relationship that hasn't even started yet that you feel like you've been asking and petitioning for. And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. We're gonna talk about what happens when we as the people of God experience failure in relationships or even grief in relationships. And I'm actually really, I guess excited isn't the right word. I'm excited for what God's gonna do, but I'm glad that I get to preach on this message tonight um, because this is actually an area where I feel like the Lord has really met me over the years. This is a place where I've seen God's character time and time again. And he has brought me through the lowest lows and shown me who he is. So I'm gonna share a little bit of my story and then just what I feel like the Lord has shown me through that. And I hope that it brings you more hope. I hope it brings you more peace. I hope it brings you expectation of a good future in the Lord. So it goes a little something like this. Um, Like many of you, maybe not all of you, but I graduated high school uh, pretty optimistic about my relational future. I had been dating like a Christian guy um, who wasn't really following the Lord. So I went into college and I was like, I'm excited for my upgrade. Like I'm excited to like actually have a relationship that honors Jesus. And I happened to go to a Christian school in the South. I won't name names, but you'll probably guess by the end of this talk. Um, And I think I just went into college, not really super focused on relationships, but just with the expectation that it was going to happen, right? Like how life when you're young could just seem so linear. You're like, I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna meet someone. We're gonna get married. I'm gonna land a job. We're gonna have kids. All by the time I'm 25, you know? So it wasn't, it wasn't really on the forefront of my mind. In fact, when I went into college, my one prayer to the Lord was actually, God, would you just like keep me undistracted from guys? Like, would you just, I actually used the term veil. I was like coming to my faith for the first time. I was like, God, would you veil me from the wrong men? Um, and just help me focus on a relationship with you and community. And that's what happened. It was actually really awesome. I feel like I got to walk deeper into what it means to be known by people who love Jesus. I got to walk deeper in what it means to know who God is and actually know who I am. But what didn't happen was uh, graduating with my MRS degree, which if you've been to a Christian school, that just means I did not get married. (laughs) And that's, (laughs) now it's clicking. Now you're seeing you're like MRS, Mrs. It's a Mrs. degree or Mr. degree. Um, But, (laughs) and you know, I don't, I think going into school again, like I wasn't the girl that was like, I have to get married. But when you go to school in the South and you've attended 17 weddings by the time you're a senior, you... (laughs) I'm not making that number up. That's not a preacher's count. Um, you, you actually start, like, I think subliminally what happened was I started to wonder, like, okay, like, maybe why not me? Or, like, why isn't this my timing? And then I kind of, like, gathered myself together as I graduated because I was moving back to California, and I was like, okay, Lord, maybe it's just not a Southern boy. No offense. Southern people are great, but just, I was like, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe we're just not compatible, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, we do love you, Jordan. Um, (laughs) but you live here now. So what does that say? Um, (laughs) and I moved back home and I I think I, my hopes were still like pretty high and you know, you graduate, you're getting older. I'm like, okay, I'm moving towards this, like this, like invisible timeline is now becoming like more visible where I'm like, all right, now this, this is my, this is my opportunity. And I came home and I got really involved here in ministry and it was great. 
I got to really like understand what my calling was. I took a job at Calvary and I began to meet some really awesome men of God. And as the story went, what kept happening was I would be really into someone and they just wouldn't be that into me. And don't feel that bad for, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And vice versa. (laughs) Um, No, I would have these great guys ask me out. And I had, you know, at the time I was like, I'm going to be open. If they love the Lord, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go on a date with them. But it would be first date, second date. I just wouldn't have peace. And I'd start to get frustrated. I'm like, God, what is happening? It got to the point where I had a small group of 11 women. And about three years in, Nine of them were either married or in a serious relationship. And there was like two of us left. And they just like, you know, it, it happens. They transition off into like marriage or they move or start a family. But I think that was the point where I took a step back and was like, whoa, I have some seriously unmet expectations that I didn't even know that were inside of me. Where I was like 24, 25, and I was like, man, by this point in my life, I thought I'd at least be like, dating someone, like moving towards marriage. And it surprised me because it had never been something I grew up like, or even something people pressured me into. But it was this desire that started to unearth in me. And I really just brought that to the Lord. And was like, God, something doesn't feel right. I started to feel like this hopelessness inside of me to the point where I'd even look at friends that I loved in relationships and felt this grief over it. I felt this like joylessness. Sometimes it was even hard to like attend friends' weddings because I was just like, man, like what is wrong with me? And then I stumbled across this verse in scripture that just like put words to exactly what I was feeling. And I'm wondering if any of you have ever felt this. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I was like, yes, like this is exactly, like I feel like I have a heart sickness. (laughs) Like it feels like I have this sickness inside of me that just like it's blurring my view of the goodness of others' relationships and even like the hope for my own future. Because I kept what I was doing and what I realized what I was doing was I was putting my hope and expectation, expectation in a circumstance that just kept getting pushed off further and further off track from my personal timeline my heart became sick. And as Brian talked about last week, if our heart is the wellspring of life, the thing we're supposed to guard above all else, what happens is if we're not careful, just these seeds of lies and even hopelessness can start to breed and contaminate our hearts. And what happened for me was I started to lose trust in God. Like it just was, it started so minuscule. And over time, I kept looking at him going, Lord, you haven't come through with this thing that I've desired for so long. God, I've submitted my request to you, and I've been faithful to you, but you just seem unresponsive, unempathetic, even uncaring. And I began to speak things over God that weren't true. Why would I do this? Because again, my lens of him started to change to the point where I actually began to believe the lie that I was actually a better author of my story than God was. That my time over God's was actually the perfect timing. And there's these things that would come up inside of me, you know, these what ifs, like maybe if I was in a relationship, I wouldn't feel so lonely. Or I'd see my friends in relationships more. (laughs) Or I'd feel more secure. Then as my circumstances didn't change, um, the thoughts actually turned into this, like, 
the whole, the big what if, right? That I think a lot of single Christians hold of like, well, what if I get, never get married? Will I always be lonely? Will I, will I ever be enough? And because I started to believe only what I could see, and because I began to judge based on his ability to, again, to provide what I wanted when I wanted it, I put trust in myself, at least in this area. Specifically in this area, I was like, all right, God, if you're not taking control of this, I'm going to take control of this. And Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says this. It encourages us as believers, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So I learned what it looked like to not trust the Lord with all my heart and choose to lean on my own understanding. And I got myself into a situationship. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you can watch, you can watch the uh, YouTube from last week. Um, yeah, he definitely just needed a spotter at the gym, uh, but I liked the attention. So, um, <laughs> and you know what happened was I began to use like my crooked relational path because that, that wasn't what the Lord wanted for me. Like that was not a man bringing me closer to Christ. Um, but I started to use my own crooked relational path as confirmation bias that God wasn't actually trustworthy. I was like, look, God, like, look, nothing works out. Instead of recognizing that I, that was a choice, that was my own decision. But deep down, I still blame God for my own short-sightedness and for how others began to fail me. And there's this gap that can grow between you and the Lord in seasons like that. And what can happen that can be so dangerous to our faith is that we fill it with misconceptions of who God is, right? That God is uncaring, untrustworthy, unempathetic. Because here's the truth of what begins to happen. When we don't see God rightly, we actually can't see ourselves rightly. You know, it started with thoughts towards God where I'm like, well, God, you're uncaring, you're unkind. And then quickly it became thoughts like this. Um, well, I'm actually not worthy. I must be broken or I must be bad for people. That's why things aren't working out or I'm just attracting the wrong kind of person. And things like that, while at first can seem so jarring over time, can start to sound like truth because they're familiar, right? It's the record that plays inside our own head, our own voice or the voice of the enemy, the accuser, suddenly got so loud with lies and accusations and worries that it really broke me down. Like on the outside, people are like, you're like sunshine, like we see God in you, which is true. Like God can work through you in your brokenness. But there's just this one area that I couldn't let go of because I didn't trust God anymore. And thankfully, I had a good friend in that season where, who I opened up to her about my situationship, and she was like, very non-judgmental, thank God. Um, but she asked me this really important question. Uh, she asked, well, what does God say about it? What does God say about your relational life right now? And I was like, oh, I don't want to ask. <laughs> I don't want to ask because I have these bitter feelings towards the Lord in this area but also I just haven't, I haven't slowed down to actually come before God. And I was reading recently um, in this book by Fred Nick, Frederick Buchner. He's like kind of a contemporary of C.S. Lewis. They gave us this book at my seminary graduation over a year ago. I hadn't picked it up. 
but this passage came up this week and I was like, man, he's so right. And he's talking about his own kind of failed expectations in his life and what can happen. And he's describing this picture of sometimes when disappointment comes, the last thing we want to do is actually slow down and talk to God about it. It's like almost cathartic to just keep going in our busyness and even just in what we can control. And he describes kind of how his life just became this race race to the top for the best job, the best university, just distracting himself, numbing himself because he didn't want to face this area of his life where he feel like God really let him down. But he shares this in reflection. He says, sometimes we avoid listening for fear of what we may hear. Sometimes for fear that we may hear nothing at all, but the empty rattle of our own feet on the pavement. But be not afraid, says another. For lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He says he is with us on our journeys. He says he has been with us since each of our journeys began. Listen for him. Listen to the sweet and the bitter airs of your present and your past for the sound of him. And I just think that's so profound that it's for fear often we don't slow down and say, God, but what do you think about this? What do you think about me? What do you think about not only my present, but my past? And what he's highlighting here as he reflects on who Jesus is, it's, it's not just what Jesus will say. Like sometimes we're afraid, you know, like, gosh, what if he encourages me to do something that's gonna be uncomfortable? But it's not just what Jesus is gonna say. It's who Jesus is that makes him worth listening to. It's who Jesus is, the same Jesus where he's quoting scripture right here that tells his followers, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. This is him talking to his disciples when he's returning after his resurrection and he's commissioning them. And he's saying, surely I'm gonna be with you. I promise to be with you. Not only that, but he's declaring the truth that I have been with you since your journey began through your moments of failure, through your heartaches and hope and hopelessness. In the bitter and the sweet, I have been with you. I promise to be with you. This is the same Jesus we are invited to look at as the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the Jesus that walks with you the author, that means he has, he was there for before time, and the finisher. He can go before you where you have not been, but he promises to be with us. So why is it important? Like, why is Frederick Buechner in this moment going, it's important to remember who Jesus is before we even ask, before we even listen? And it's this. The character of God is going to be a better indicator of your future than our current circumstances. The character of God is a better definer of what's to come than what you're facing right now or what your past has been comprised of. You see, circumstances can change, but God does not. We change, hopefully for the better, but God does not. People fail us, but God will not. We fail, but God will never fail. You see, he holds the power to change our circumstances, 
But what I really felt led in the preparation, because like, yes, like I want us to be hopeful. If you're in a place where you're like, man, I just feel like again and again, I'm just receiving failure or rejection, like God can change that. But even as I was praying and listening, I just feel like the Lord just wants to remind us, like he's not only the way maker, like we sing that and that's so special because who else can? Who else goes before us? He knows our future. He can change circumstance, but he's not only that guys, like he is the way. Like he is the way. He's not just a means to an end. He is the end. He is everything that we seek, whether it's in a relationship or in acceptance or love or peace or joy, whatever it is, we seek him. And it's not bad to seek relationship. It's not bad to seek connection. Those things are gifts from God. But I think we do sometimes have to come to a place when we're in that moment of God. I just feel like my circumstances have failed me again and again to be remind me that even when we don't have the gift, like we have the giver. We have him. And he's the God that sits with you in your grief. Like he sat with me so many times in my grief and didn't rush me out. Like we all have those well-meaning friends that want to sit with you, but they also want to like fix the situation ASAP. So they ask you all the questions and you're like, I just need you to be here with me. <laughs> He's a God who knows where you've been, like the good, bad, and ugly. He knows you better than anyone on this planet ever will. No partner, no spouse, no parent, no friend. And unlike anyone we know on this side of eternity, he actually knows what's next. Not only that, but he's a God who has a holier imagination for your life than you do. Like even at our best, like we're told that his thoughts like outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. Like his thoughts towards us are not just great in number, but they are great. They are great in quality. Like he knows you and he dreams of good things for your life and dreams that he could actually make a reality. He's a God whose heart for you is good even when you've hardened yours towards him. That's something I've learned again and again and again. And once more, I'm not saying desiring a healthy relationship is a bad thing. I think if anything through this series, we're like, please, please desire goodness. Please desire a relationship and relationships in your life that are worthy of a life that is following the Lord. But I am calling you in this moment to embrace your current circumstance, if that's you. If you're in this place where you're like, I just feel let down and embrace the relationships that will always be available to you, the relationship that will always be available to you. So this is you, or this is maybe someone that you love who's walking through a season of failed expectations. Um, here are some practical steps. Here are some things, if you're like, I'm a practical person, this is for you, um, where you can move forward into a place of trust. So ultimately, the Lord, he wants to sit with you in compassion. He wants to address your grief, but he also wants to move with you through grief because grief can't be circumvented, right? It has to be moved through. So here are some steps. For one, um, slow down and remind your soul who's in control. Slow down. It can be such a tried verse that we hear over and over again, but truly like being still and recognizing God as God can be healing for your soul. Like, we need that perspective. One of my favorite um, stories of this in scripture is actually comes from Job. So if you're like, I need some perspective on suffering, read the book of Job. Um, not to outshine your circumstances, but like, this is a man who truly, he lost everything. 
his family, his friends, every material possession in his life. And he gets to the end of the book and he's addressing God and kind of like pleading before him, talking about what's just happened in his life. And he has every reason to be grieved. But the Lord looks at him and he basically says like, where were you when the foundations of the earth were laid? Where the stars were put into the sky, not to shame him, but just to show him I am the mighty one and I am for you. And Job's response, I, I've just held on to over the years. He says this, Job looks to God and he says, surely I've spoken of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me. And I think sometimes we need that moment of humility before God to say, you know what? I've painted a picture of my life out of fear that actually does not match what you have for me. From that place, secondly, Repent from pride and distrust of God. This can be hard. And I'm not saying everyone in here is carrying a prideful heart towards God. Maybe you're just disappointed. You're like, it's not that I think I could do a better job with my life, but it's more like my, there's something in my soul. I'm just sad that something hasn't worked out. But I think oftentimes the reason we feel so grieved is because there's something inside us that says, God, I could do it differently. I could do it better. And even those tiny little steps we've taken away from God, because all repentance really is, it's a turning. It's saying like, here's distrust, here's my pride, and saying, I'm not going to agree with this anymore. I'm actually going to turn. I'm going to come into alignment with God. I'm going to come into partnership with his thoughts towards me, his heart towards me. And I'm going to say, God, I haven't trusted you up to this point, but I want to. I want to partner with you. I want to move forward with you. In James, it tells us that repentance actually can bring healing. So tonight, maybe if that's you, like grab a friend afterwards, someone that you trust and just say, I have not been trusting the Lord. I think there's pride in my heart that I just wanna turn from and I wanna embrace the goodness and the truth of what God has for me. Next, seek the Lord in honest prayer. Like honest prayer. In Ephesians, it tells us that whatever we bring into the light becomes light. It becomes light and everything is illuminated. And when we're in seasons of disappointment, what we can do is just stuff these things down inside of us or start disagreeing with these minor thoughts, these minor lies that can just build and bloom into something that we never wanted, that can breed hopelessness in our life. And God isn't gonna be upset with you if you come before him to say, hey, I feel discouraged. I actually have been believing the lie that I'm not worthy. I actually feel pretty hopeless right now, God. Bring it into the light. Let it become light. Let it become visible. Let God heal those thoughts. And then the next two, I think, are the hardest. Listen. Listen for God. Once you have brought your petition before him, once you have brought your grievances before him, slow down enough and have the humility to say, okay, God, what do you think? What do you say over my life? Listening to God becomes easier when we spend time in his word, when we actually know the truth of who he is, but also learning to listen for his voice. God, what do you say about my relationship right now? God, what do you say about my disappointment? And not just listening, but taking that and responding. Responding, if he's calling you to an act of obedience, to follow through on it. If he brings a truth to mind over your life to say, God, I am going to agree with this. I'm going to speak this over myself, even when my feelings maybe don't align. Because again, Proverbs 3, 6, what does it say? It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's what happens when we're not just hearers of his word or hearers of his voice, 
But when we agree with his voice, when we become doers, when we become obedient children of God, for me, responding to God in that season, I actually slowed down and took my friend's advice. Um, it looked like ending that situationship. <laughs> and as some of you all know, it's really hard to cancel a gym membership, uh, but I did it because <laughs> I was serious about it. And that sometimes we have to take those steps where you're like, this seems so silly. We could also just trick ourselves and be like, I could just, I could just step away from that. It's like, no, be, like if God's called you to do something, be serious about it. Like it's the cost of your peace. Be serious about it. And I'm not here to say that like anxiety didn't come afterwards because it did. The idea of like, did I make the right choice? Or like, is this worth feeling lonely? <laughs> and the fear coming and bubbling up again of like, what does this mean for my future? But I had my responses ready. The more time I spent with God, the more I filled myself with his word, I had these responses ready to actually speak back to the lies that the enemy would bring up into my life. And I remember just this, having this one in my back pocket, Psalm 34, 4. Anytime the accuser would come and be like, are you sure? Is this worth it? I would talk back and say, no, I've sought the Lord and he has answered me. And he's delivered me from all my fears. And then it continues, those who look to him are radiant. They're not covered in shame. This is a verse that Callie shared a few weeks ago, and I love it because it talks about, it kind of addresses subtly this idea um, that shame actually will try to make failed parts of our story the whole story, right? Like there's, guilt is one thing to say, Lord, I have failed, I'm gonna turn from this, but the enemy is gonna convince you that this one failure in your life is gonna become the all of you. That's where fear comes in, right? Like say like, oh, I feel like I'm gonna pick on someone, I promise these are arbitrary, but Say you're the guy girls always date right before they like get into a serious relationship. And you're like, this is the pattern of my life. Like I'm the guy, I'm just the guy that they date and then they find the person they like. And suddenly can go from like a series of circumstances to a whole identity. Or maybe you're the girl that seems to be perpetually overlooked. Even though you're like seeking out healthy relationships and friendships and you know you're awesome, suddenly your identity just gets solidified by the wrong things. And this fear can lead us into a place of shame. So we need to cling to the truth to know that those who seek the Lord can be delivered from those fears. That those who look to him are actually radiant and that shame has no place in the identity of someone who's walking with the Lord. Because when we look to him, when we repent and we seek and we listen, we know that God is not only now in our present, but he's in our future. If God is in your future, so is hope. So is joy. So is worth. So is purpose. So is blessing. So is strength. You see, when we put our confidence in the character of God over our circumstance, this is what begins to happen. It's Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says this. It says, blessed or happy is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose what confidence is in him, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes and its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. 
even if the relationship doesn't come through as planned, through the drought, my leaves did not wither. Because as I was seeking the Lord, as I was hearing what he had to say over my life in this area, and I wasn't leaning away from him anymore, I was leaning towards him, I began to become more secure in him than my circumstance. And my trust in God began to build again, and I began to rejoice in the relationships that were available to me, the friendships that were available to me, the identity that was available to me of being blessed, of being rooted, of being unfearful, unworried, and fruitful. And get this, even when I didn't feel like it, like even when I didn't feel like it, that's what's so great about the knowledge of the truth of God. We could still choose to agree with it and say, God, my emotions may not be there right now, but this is still true because you don't change. Your word doesn't change. The validity of your word doesn't change because I'm not feeling like it right now. And I'm so glad I learned that process of seeking the Lord in the midst of my disappointment and fears because guess what? I did start dating someone again. And it was awesome at first. He seemed to love the Lord. He was thoughtful. And I started to think this might be it. And we were dating for about nine months um, before something just started to not sit right in my spirit. And there was one day in particular where I felt like the Lord was like, you need to ask him a certain question. And he was someone who had struggled with addiction in the past um, and some other things. So he had been going to these recovery groups, but I just felt like the Lord was like, you need to be really clear and ask him exactly what he's struggling with. And the answer to that question essentially broke our relationship. He had been masking something for this entire nine months that completely destroyed our trust. And for the next nine months, we tried to recover that trust. Um, we went to counseling, he joined support groups, I joined support groups. Uh, but what ended up happening was I broke up with him. And there I was at 28, single again, after feeling like my weight was over. And that was hard. And not just because I was two years from 30, but it was hard because I felt like back to square one. Not only that, but I felt like I had more circumstantial evidence of why people can't be trusted and why God can't be trusted, right? Like when you hope again, and then you're just like, man, Lord, to grieve something all over again. But you know what actually happened? Because I had that time in my life where I actually got into the habit of seeking God, of storing truth in my heart, being able to ask him and sit with him even in my failures and my disappointments, um, I was actually able to start to process the grief and the sorrow of letting go of what my life was going to look like. I was actually okay with coming before God and saying, God, I understand this is not what you had for me. This isn't your timing. As hard as that was, and then leaning into those friendships and those relationships that I got to sow into in that season to say, all right, guys, like, help me through this. Remind me what joy looks like. Remind me what perseverance looks like. Can you speak truth into my life when I feel like I don't have the strength to find it? So whether you've ended a relationship or the relationship has ended on you, I need you to remember this truth of the character of God. Scripture is so clear on this. Psalm 34 reminds us, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. 
Not only that, he saves the Christian spirit. He's not just near to be like, everything's gonna be okay. He is the mighty one. He has the power to save. He has the power to restore. He has the power to redeem. Psalm 147.3 also says this, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He binds them up. He is the master healer. And so often we want healing to be instantaneous, right? Like who wouldn't? (laughs) Especially with heartache, who wouldn't? But if I can be real with you, um, there's still areas from that relationship that are healing now. And it could be frustrating at times and discouraging. And there have been moments, even recently, where the enemy has used my pain to convince me that God is not good and that my future is hopeless. But then I call to mind the character of God. He is not a haphazard baker who's going to deliver you that heinous My Little Pony birthday cake. <laughs> he is a craftsman. He is the craftsman. He's the one who looks at our lives and he says, I make all things beautiful in their time. This week I was uh, talking to my husband, which, praise God, the Lord does redeem. Um, And he is a patient, wonderful man (laughs) who has, honestly, like, he has helped me through this healing process. Like, God is so kind. It's not just this perfect end and then boom, you're in a relationship and everything's all good. Like, we need people to walk with us and hear the Lord. And he loves me so well. He was sharing about how at Fresh Market this week, which is one of our ministries here on campus, um, our missions pastor was telling this uh, devo out of Jeremiah 18. And it's the story of the prophet Jeremiah. And that man, gosh, he had a rough life. In his whole ministry, I learned that he only had two people come to Jesus. And I was like, and you have a whole book of the Bible? This is amazing. I'm like, I feel a little bit better. Um, (laughs) But... Evangelism is great. We should go for it, guys. But, um, but he tells this, it's, it's like this written account of Jeremiah walking with the Lord. And this is what happens. Basically, the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah and he says, go down to the potter's house. And there I'm going to give you a message. So he went, he went with the Lord and he went down to the potter's house and it says he was looking at the potter at his wheel. But he's talking about how like, as he was shaping this pot, Um, the clay just kept becoming marred in his hands. I mean, it just kept breaking, like it wasn't working out. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he said, can I not do this with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And I acknowledge that he's speaking to Jeremiah for the people of Israel at this time. But again, that's the crazy thing about the character of God. It does not change. That is the same heart he has for his people. That is the same ability that he has in our lives. And I love what he says where he reshaped it as he seemed best. The truth is he will reshape your life as it seems best to him. And when we accept Jesus, that's kind of like a part of the agreement, right? Where we're like, God, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. But it's so easy when we come disappointed to be like, okay, it's no longer I who live, but would you listen to my preferences, you know? And he does because he's a good father. But when we agreed to surrender him, we also agreed to say, Lord, here's the full contents of my life. Good, bad, ugly, marred. Band, you can make your way back up but this is the promise. 
that there is comfort in the knowledge that your life is in the hands of the potter, that no material is wasted, that no amount of marring or misdirection or relational failure or relational grief is going to stop him from shaping your life into something beautiful. Because again, your story is custom made. It's custom made. And I've learned this firsthand. And it's also influenced my journey of forgiveness. Because what happens when we see ourselves rightly and when we see God rightly, we could actually start to see others rightly, including those who have hurt us, including those you have hurt. And guys, I just want you to hear me on this. Just because someone has failed you or you have failed someone else does not mean your story is over. There is a better ending and it's made possible by the only one who could hold your future. The only one who could take broken things and make them beautiful. So I'm actually gonna ask us to do something together as a group. I'm gonna ask you guys to go ahead and just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm gonna to talk to two groups of people right now. The first is if you're a follower of Jesus and you have dealt with the pain of failed relational expectations and grief. And maybe there's even just a small part of you where you feel like that pain has led you away from believing in the goodness of God. I wanna invite you to once again return to a posture of surrender, of forgiveness, of trust, and just as a simple act of saying, I'm both surrendering and I want to receive from you, if you just hold your hands open on your lap. And I want to pray over you. Father God, we just come before you and we say that you are a good God, even when we haven't believed it. And Lord, I just want to ask for forgiveness in the areas of my heart in the hearts of my friends, Lord, where we haven't trusted you. God, I just want to pray healing over those who are walking through failed expectations where disappointment seems to just be louder than your goodness, God, louder than your promises. Lord, I just pray that your love would speak a better word over their hearts and minds. I also just want to pray for those who feel like they have failed someone where they're like, man, I let someone down in a relationship and they're holding on to that shame. God, would you just remind them to look to you? God, we just look to you in this moment and we say there is no shame in your presence, God, that we get to move forward into a future, Lord, where we actually get to understand who we were created to be. God, that you call us righteous in your blood, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are the redeemer. I just pray, Lord, that there would just be new seeds of hope planted tonight. God, that they even just feel that in their hands, Lord, just new seeds of hope they could take with them, Lord, that you'll water, that you'll grow, God. And I just pray that you would place any lies with truth, truth that they are worthy, truth that they are forgiven, truth, Lord, that they have the power to forgive others, Lord, by your blood. So Lord, just let hope arise. Just thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness and that their story is not over, that there's beauty ahead. We just thank you, Lord, that you are who you say you are, Lord, and you will go with them. You guys can keep your eyes closed and your head bow. And I want to talk to just another group of people in this room. And that's, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, 
but you're thinking tonight, man, I want to know this potter. I want to know this God of redemption. I just want to show you one more characteristic of God, and that's he's a savior God. who knew that his beloved creation could not possibly heal the brokenness of their own stories. The ways that you have failed or maybe failed others. So he sent his son Jesus to teach us how to live, to make a way for us to know the fullness of life, that he took the repercussion of our brokenness by giving up his life for us. Then he overcame sin and death so we can have a way back to this good father from now into eternity. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him and surrender to Jesus, who is both the way maker and the way. And if that's you and you're thinking, I want to know the Savior God who loves me more than I can imagine, I just want to invite you now to hold your hands out and just to have a conversation with the Lord. This is the beginning of a journey with God. You don't have to be fully there, but just say, Lord, I cannot do this life without you. Nothing I could actually do in my own strength can change the brokenness. Jesus, I want to surrender myself to you. Lead my life. Starting now, would you please show me who you are? If you just prayed that prayer, I'm just going to ask you something simple, which is look up at me so I could see who you are. I see you. I see you. Well, praise God. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit brave as we stand up and worship together. If you've just received Jesus and you're saying, I'm in, we want to celebrate with you as your community. So in the count of three, if you just stand up and we could rejoice with you as we enter into a time of worship. One, two, three. Awesome. Cool. Well, guys, you've been made whole in Jesus, and he has so much more for you. So if that was you tonight, don't leave without getting a Bible, resources. Um, now let's join as a community of people who love this king of our heart and praise Jesus together.